Welcome to an exciting bonus episode of the Uptime Wind Energy Podcast, where we explore the latest innovations in the wind industry. I'm your host, Alan Hall, president of WeatherGuard Lightning Tech, along with my co-host, Joel Saxon of Wind Power Lab. In this episode, we'll be discussing the Windesco Swarm System, a proprietary software platform designed to optimize the performance of wind turbine farms. The Swarm System uses advanced analytics and machine learning algorithms to provide real-time data analysis and farm optimization, helping the wind industry operators and owners maximize the productivity and profitability of their wind farms. We'll take an in-depth look at how the Swarm System works, its key features and benefits, and real-world examples of how it's being used to improve wind farm performance. Joining us today to discuss the Windesco Swarm System is Danian Jung, uh, VP of Products at Windesco, and Pete Bashant, Director of Software Engineering. Uh, whether you're a wind energy operator, investor, or just simply interested in the future of clean energy, this episode is for you. Danian and Pete, welcome to the program. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Joel. Thanks for having us. So today, we see a lot of operators that are really struggling to maintain a profitable farm. Uh, they're being squeezed from every possible side. And, and Wendesco, you guys have been around since 2014 and have worked with a number of operators. What are you hearing from operators today? So the biggest thing we hear is uh, the without PTC, a lot of people cannot even get profit at all, especially for the older farms. And then the income of those uh, IPPs, we call them, are really uh, under pressure because of the uh, high cost of the turbine side and then and the maintenance side, and also high cost from the weak loss from the site. Wow. And if we don't do anything to correct this, what happens? Do some of these operations eventually shut down because they're just losing money? Absolutely. You, you can see farms, they are really only getting PTC as their margin out of the revenue. And the day, typically after 10 or 12 years, when they lose their PTC or the production tax credit, they can now make money. Then you have zombie sites just running there. Nobody wants. Wow. Okay. So uh, our discussion today is really important then because uh, the Swarm system helps bring some power back into their pocketbooks. And I, I, I I want to understand exactly what Swarm is. I've read a lot about the the trade study with the Milford Wind Farms in Utah, which was fantastic, by the way. Uh, But I need a little more information, like how does this system work? What does it do? How do operators implement it? Can you give us a a brief description of that? Definitely. I'll try first, and then I'll leave some of the uh, more high-end stuff for Pete to uh, start also. So at very high level, the swarm system is an intelligent farm level control system. One thing we notice is uh, every farm got a lot of losses, but each turbine is optimized to work on its own best without knowing the performance of the other turbines around it. So you can have best local performance on this turbine, but it can generate enough wake to a downstream turbine so the next turbine is working at a much lower level. So how to avoid that is by control all the turbines together. So that's one thing we typically call it a weak mitigation. And then there are other things we can look at the whole site globally to see if turbines can work based on the overall wind flow going through the whole turbine instead of the local eddies and the local impact of the turbine. And then there are other things if we can introduce predictive control to that based on the 
turbines working up upstream and then the downstream turbine get time to adjust it for the best production. So if we combine all of that together on an IoT-based farm-level control network, that's Swarm. And then, of course, this system cannot work with the best of the brain. That's what controls on top of that. And I will leave that to Pete or really designer of that brain. Yeah, so basically the reason Swarm is necessary because as, as Danian said, turbines were always designed with just local control in mind. They're, they're selfish. They just they do their own thing. There is not some high level master controller that, that looks at the entire picture and tries to optimize the farm as a unit, which is actually really what you care about. You care about the farm producing as much power, not the individuals. Um, so the way our system works is, is it takes that perspective of a centralized controller collecting data from every single turbine and kind of modeling that and trying to understand what is happening at every instant in time, try to understand where are the different wakes and predict if we were to change the position of this turbine or that turbine, what would happen to the power? What would the consequences be? Of, of turning these turbines different ways. If we can predict that quickly enough, we can then find the optimum positions of all the turbines and we can send out those signals and actuate it and you know mitigate some of these wake losses, mitigate some of the inaccuracies in estimating the wind direction at different turbines throughout the plant and ultimately make up for that kind of, that deficiency in initial design of only thinking about local control. So we're retrofitting on and we're making up for that problem. Well, the one that, you know, from our, our talks off air, the one big thing that comes into my mind here, you know, I'm always I'm always playing devil's advocate when I see a new solution, right? Because I so I want to ask the questions that the asset owners might ask. First one that comes to mind, cybersecurity, right? If you're connecting an IoT device and you're connecting a whole wind farm, how are you guys handling that aspect of things and making sure that the asset owner or at the farm level is safeguarded from any kinds of, you know, because I know that FERC and stuff, had, they have standards that they must meet uh, to make sure that the grid isn't accessible uh, from, I will say, outside stakeholders. Uh, but how are you guys handling that? Definitely. So this is always the number one question coming from customers IT department and the overall leadership. So the we treat that very, very seriously, and we have put cybersecurity in the whole design. So fundamentally, the biggest part to keep cybersecurity work for a product is we keep the farm level control on site within the premises of the site, right? So there is no external access into the site that's beyond the typical state-of-art security access for, let's say, to update a SCADA server like everybody does daily or monthly. So we don't have any, let's say, cloud-based real-time intervention from outside, which is something if you talk about, everybody going to run as fast away from you in this world. And also we design our software to be, and our data flow to be able to uh, really confirm to the design guidelines coming out of the, uh, from organization side, the ISO 27001, and uh, from the uh, design side of the IEC 62443 um, guidelines. We're not exactly there yet, but I know everybody else is in the same water and we're all swimming toward the same direction. Yeah, and I'll add that from an architecture standpoint, our system is cloud connected because it, it leverages the cloud to 
monitor data, perform analytics on the system offline, retune models, check, make sure the models are performing like they should, things that you wouldn't really want to do on-prem because you'd have to store months and months of high-frequency data. So we're leveraging the cloud, but we're only interacting with it uh, with outbound connections. And these are all encrypted and use authentication and authorization. So nothing, there's no inbound traffic allowed into our controller, basically. Pete, there's, there's algorithms behind this that determine the optimized position of the wind turbines. And it must be, it must vary by wind speed and uh, probably a number of other factors. How are those algorithms developed and are those algorithms site specific? Yeah, so the way that we do it, I mean, you can look at some other, I guess, competing technologies out there in academia and, and different products um, available. And I think the, the kind of most typical way that, that someone will do it is use a lookup table. Like you take a farm, you simulate it in a bunch of different wind directions, wind speeds, maybe turbulence intensities, come up with a lookup table for what's the optimum position of each turbine to do wake steering in this case. Um, and the problem with that is that it's really, it's a very multi-dimensional problem. So if you want to add, so we've got three dimensions there. We go wind speed, wind direction, turbulence intensity. Okay, what if we want to take into account the fact that different turbines are going to be offline for different reasons? Different turbines might be derated. You just added two more dimensions, and these things compound geometrically. So your lookup table would have to be huge. So anyway, we use a model-based controller. We have a, a model that can predict the flow through the farm very rapidly in real time in our controller. And we leverage open source tools such as NREL's Floris. Uh, on top of which we've put this wrapper to achieve what you're saying, like the, the specifics of the site. I mean, it's you could take this tool, Floris, right? And you can say, okay, the wind speed is X, the wind direction is Y, the TI is Z, and you get a prediction for your, for your site. But the process of taking your SCADA data or any other sort of measurements and translating it into the appropriate wind speed, direction, and TI takes a lot of work. So that's kind of, I guess, like the secret sauce that we put on top is how do you estimate the inputs properly into these simplified engineering wake models to make it match the behavior of the site and make it match over a long period of time. So we have lots and lots of historical data. We take the model, we train it, we use data science tools to, to make sure that this thing is going to work in real time. We have our model trained, deploy it out to the site, and we use it directly in the controller. So with that being said, there's a process to it, right? So what is, if, if uh, and I'm gonna go more to the commercial side, if customer XYZ contacts Windesco and says, hey guys, we'd like to know what Swarm is and possibly put it on a wind farm. From that is T0, how long time-wise are they until they're seeing the benefits of the system? Is it until you get it all implemented, the models trained up and everything's working? Is it two months, six months, a year? How long is that normally going to take for a client to see the results? Many times our clients can actually send us a, a good chunk of historical high frequency data. And that, that gives us a good running start. Um, we can train models upon that. We can get a sense for how the farm works, how heterogeneous the flow is through the plant, things like that. There is going to be a little bit of a transition period when we actually put the swarm edges that we call them onto the turbines with their own specific sensors. The character of the wind speed and wind direction measurements changes slightly at that point in time, 
but we, we can hit the ground running pretty well, start doing optimization from day zero. And the nice thing about our process is that the optimization may be not optimal at that point in time, but we're continuously acquiring this operational data, sending it up to the cloud, and we can then retrain the model and reassess, are we making these predictions properly? Are the wakes where we think they are at every given point in time? And uh, yeah, the model just improves. And we're thinking like the, the rule of thumb now is by the time you get to six months, as long as nothing crazy has changed about the sensors, like the system has learned how this is going to work and it's going to optimize the plant the best it can at about the six month mark. Yeah. So we're saying like basically within a year, because everybody's got a different, every wind farm is going to have a different weather pattern, right? Based and it's a yearly cycle. It's not a sine wave, but we kind of know that the heavy wind season is this and the light wind season is this and the winter is this. And so if you can get it kind of trained within six months, basically six months, you're starting to see a little bit of uh, you know, AEP increase um, in that, you know, that, one to five percent range and then as that year kind of closes out you can start to see the real results of uh, over the course of the year when the weather patterns change and what your tr traditional um, aep was you see those little bit of increases so um it sounds like if a, if a client wanted to do it right and get going on it right now now it's busy season starting up right it's spring in the u.s um they might be by fall making making some good gains yeah that also highlights one of the the benefits of doing it like we call this a closed loop model, which means that you don't just acquire six months of data, train the model, make it static. It just sits there. Um, we keep doing it. Uh, we're, we're continuously collecting the operational data. We send it back into this validation and calibration process. Um, so yeah, at six months, you've done a lot of learning to, to calibrate the model to match the site behavior, but you keep learning over time. So if you get out to a year, and things have changed. You know, we actually do see some sites that are very different, you know, one six month period to the next six month period. Um, as you keep accumulating that data, you keep accumulating the learning in the model. What happens when your next door neighbor puts in a big wind farm? Does that really make the model have to readjust? Because that's what's happening right now. We're putting wind farms on top of wind farms on top of wind farms. Their wakes have to be changing yearly, right? So you need an adaptable model for that. Yeah, I mean, that would be a big step change, I guess, in how the model works, because you think about that transfer function from like your inputs to the actual behavior of the plant, um, something is going to happen differently in that process. If all of a sudden you put another farm upstream, your measurements of wind speed at all your different turbines are now different in character. So the model is going to have to learn that new behavior. I don't know, it brings up an interesting um, question about like private property or something like that. Do you have the right to steal the uh, incoming flow from your neighbor or something like that? Because I mean, that that's like taking money that was flowing into their plant. But one point on top of that is, uh, you know, because PC, right, the model itself is not a static model based on, let's say, just taking flowers and the plug some numbers, right? This is continuous learning it reduces the impact from the upflow changes, right? A long time we can learn and adapt to that. So I, I know there's some hardware associated with the Swarm system. Can you walk us through a little bit what an operator would see in terms of hardware installation and sort of the time frame to get it installed and what that means and what the what the hardware does? Definitely. So I actually brought it to the podcast. Just look behind me. That's the Swarm Edge box we call it internally uh 
Pete just mentioned earlier. It is an IoT device we put uh, on top of the nacelle of the turbine, typically connected to the turbine control system. And uh, that is connected also to various uh, site server, which is really just uh, just look like a SCADA server in the server room. And remotely, we connect this on the site business network. And that talked to Joel's earlier discussion about cybersecurity. We're not on the turbine control network. We're on the business network, typically, where the you know CMS system run, right? So we stay away from the most critical part safely. And this box, what it does is take the turbine real-time information, take the SCADA information, take our own sensor information altogether, and then take a command reference or command direction from the, we call it the swarm server from the site level and drive the turbine to the position it should be at. And with does that in a very graceful way, which is OEM ag agnostic. This box right now have about eight to 10 different interface built in already. And we can adapt to different turbines differently depending on their communication scheme built in. And also it has a bypass system where there's a watchdog looking. If anything goes wrong, the swarm edge will take itself out of the turbine control system and the allow turbine to handle everything by its original design. So you talk about the installation time. So this is really at a similar level of complexity of installing, let's say a CMS control node up tower. Takes about half day for a trained technician to get that through. Takes another maybe a couple of weeks for the whole site to be commissioned and connected together. And then uh, we can hand it over to Pete to start really we call swarming. So this is when we've started seeing the, the you know the swarm system or any any kind of wake steering one I you know following Floris and following some other things that Enrel was doing. Um, coming from Wind Power Lab, we're always worried about fatigue loads on blades. What's going to happen to these things in the future? Could this affect bearings? What you know what are the what are the outside effects that could happen from the system? So the you know when we talked in the past, I, I think we, you guys had talked about some DNV certifications and stuff for this for the uh, the swarm system so can you walk us through some of those things that will put the, the our listeners you know their mind at ease when it comes to uh, you know external factors that might affect the turbine system itself absolutely so we we really treat the uh, design of the safety and the turbine life site very seriously and uh, we started very early on realizing the uh, weak steering and the general yaw control intervention we're taking will introduce additional yaw misalignment and that will have a possible negative impact to the turbine loads, uh, especially for the upstream uh, weak steering turbines, typically we call, right? So what we can do with that is, let's see how much it is and compare that to the turbine's original uh, loads condition and see how much delta we're introducing in and how that impacts the loads. So what we did is we actually went through two separate efforts. The first effort is for the Milford uh, study, not study, sorry, installation. Now it's a commercial project. We actually went through a full on-site study for the site-specific loading and the safety operations with DNVGL. 
That's back in 2021. That's what we did before we are actually allowed to install in scale on, at the site, right? So that's so through that study, we figured actually, although we are adding some loads to that, but the level is so low, we're really at you know one percent, less than two percent that level compared to the original loads on the fatigue side, right? On the extreme side, we're not even the problem because most of those turbines has a 40 degree to 45 degree yaw misalignment extreme loading uh, certification, right? Already from uh, anybody like Yenli or, or UL. So, so it's really mostly a fatigue problem coming from the upstream turbines. And by the way, all the downstream turbines get much less turbulence now, right? So they actually have better fatigue load conditions. Now, for those upstream turbines, we, based on the Milford study, we actually built a method to evaluate that. And we have worked through the whole last year with UL to bring that method to a type certification. It's kind of equivalent to the wind turbine type certification where we look into right, we look into the the uh, functional and the design safety of the turbine as a whole, right? After adding our device, we look into the loads condition. We look into the site testing, and we have to be qualified by UL based on our site testing results. After that, we have three UL report covering all of that. We have a UL approved method to calculate the loads, and UL can actually audit and check on that result. And based on that method and result, we can really recommend to the customer and tune our controller to make sure the site is under the loads condition that will not negatively impact the life. So that's how we get it. That's fantastic. So anybody that's got a little bit of a, you know, like a hair up on the back of the neck, like, oh, could this affect, you know, the, the loads on the turbines? You've got the backup. You've got the data. You're, you could be send it over to them in a zip file and ease their mind. Absolutely. And the, that's a great point, Joel, right? So this is the front end pre-build, right? We call it in the wind industry. Post-build actually piece um, one way. Remember he talked about the one way data collection in the cloud? Right, and he will be building what we call a audit trail, right? A track record of how we're controlling each turbine, and we'll save somewhere, right? If something goes wrong in the future, we can provide evidence to our IPP customer and allow them to work with OEM to do the root cause analysis based on our data to most likely to say, we're not a culprit, maybe something else is at work there. So that's uh, uh, the other part post-build. Yeah, more data is always good. We're not just doing simulation. We actually have blade load measurements from the system in operation. And I think you've seen this in, in the Milford case study. Um, so we're actually tying this back to, to reality too. Um, and and the loads, we've as Danian said, we haven't been collecting data for you know twenty years. We've we've got a decent amount of operational time now, but but the loads are in line with what we simulate, so definitely not scary. Yeah, and we have this system called We Protect from uh, uh, it's a legacy product that actually have uh, sensors on the turbine collect data to measure that. We have one hundred sixty five turbines in operation with the swarm system. 
that's that's pretty impressive. And I, I know it's taking a number of years to, to get to that point because you need to do those uh, DMV GL checks, those UL checks. Those are really important to getting the system certified and validated so that it can be used worldwide. Once they implement the swarm system, what kind of AEP improvements are they seeing from like, what are you actually measuring from the field right now? Yeah. So, so far our measurements have been restricted like to only a couple turbines. Um, with those couple turbines, we've seen, I forget the exact numbers, but we're seeing something like 2% AEP. I think we, we saw 1% being lost on average by the upstream turbine when we're doing the wake steering and you get 3% gain on the downstream turbine. So it kind of balances out to about two. Um, <clears throat> we expect on the whole one to 2% gains from wake steering alone um, when we extrapolate out to the entire site and get the model tuned and everything all commissioned and operational. Um, Swarm does have some additional features, however, for more AEP gain. Um, so our other product, Fine Fix Measure, one of the main features of that, it's it's turbine level analytics and, and finding performance opportunities for the turbines, uh, static Yamas alignment. If a turbine is not on average pointed in the direction where it's going to get the most power, um, in a situation where it's not useful to do wake steering, we have the analytics to find that optimum angle in the cloud. And now once we add swarm, we can automatically deploy that optimization to the plant. So it's kind of a nice follow on feature. In some cases, like if you want to correct static yaw misalignment, it could take you going out to the turbine controller itself, you know, plugging a, a laptop in and adjusting the parameter, or even having to mechanically rotate the sensor on the top of the nacelle. If you have a swarm system, well, we're calculating what your Yamas alignment is. We're actuating it directly. That's probably another 1% on average in, in some cases. And that should be mostly additive because it's, it's applicable in the times when wake steering isn't necessary to do. Um, and we have some other things we're looking at as well. Like Danian was talking about the, um, the ability to do some predictive uh, yaw or dynamic yaw, make the turbine move more quickly to where we think the wind is going. Um, that's a little bit more in development, needs definitely some more tuning. But uh, on the whole, we're hoping for from Swarm as a whole, 3% at Milford. That that's actually a really huge number. Yeah, you'd be surprised at how many turbines in the global fleet uh, have that static yaw misalignment. <laughs> we see it on a, a lot of uh, like we'd look at some SCADA data for some root cause analysis studies, and it's always like oh, I would say the majority of them are not quite right. Fine fix measure is just you know analyzing high frequency SCADA data. There, I mean, if if someone's not ready for the swarm system yet, that's a good icebreaker to get uh, working with Windesco on uh, getting some extra performance out of your wind turbine farm as well. That brings up an important new feature that gets unlocked when you have a swarm system because this is also a generalized IoT platform. We add some more sensors in, we can do additional analytics and find additional opportunities because we've got more sensors. Um, so I don't know, Danny, if you want to go into some examples of the things we're, we're looking at developing now that we have more data. Definitely. So if you look at, again, referring to that beautiful box behind me, right, there is a full network control system inside there with a very capable PLC, which have at least quad core, right? If uh, we want, we can do even more cores in there. That capability 
is really just half running right now, right, with this system. Now, if we add additional sensors, we can do blade monitoring, we can do power foundation monitoring, we can do gearbox vibration, some of the CM CMS. Um, all those things can go into this IoT platform based on what app you deploy there and what sensor you deploy there. And one big thing when I was back in GE doing wind turbine design is the cost on the wind turbine for any equipment to get on the wind turbine, there is a cost um, threshold you have to go through, right? And this computer, typically this device, is the higher threshold part. Once you have this on the turbine, adding sensors are relatively low cost, adding apps are very low cost. So there, this opened up the door of a lot other applications on that. So we're looking into a couple reliability related applications already with partners and all those things are gonna come in the future. Well, there's a lot going on at Wendesco at the moment, the swarm system, the fine fix measure and new things on the block. I know you can check out Wendesco on LinkedIn too. They have a nice LinkedIn page and you can follow Danny and, and Pete on LinkedIn. Hey, Danny and Pete, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've learned a tremendous amount. I know Joel has also, and uh, we'll keep an eye out for more Swarm Systems in the, in the future. 